Amen. Thanks, worship team. It's, it's so great to have um, some of our youth leading us in worship this morning. I don't know if you guys know this, but God is doing something phenomenal in this next generation. And so I love when we get an opportunity to see the gifts that God has given them and get to rejoice and worship with them. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So over the last eight weeks, we've been working our way through this resurrection implication series. I'm so glad I said resurrection implication correct this time. Um, because I sometimes get twisted up and I can't say it. But we've been making our way through this series over the last eight weeks, and we've been talking about um, what it means to be crucified with Christ. That's how we started out, crucified with Christ, given life by him and faith in Galatians 2.20. We went on to learn about what it meant to put on the armor of God and to be generous in Ephesians 6.13 and 2 Corinthians 9.11. And in week four, we were reminded to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things in Colossians 3.2. In weeks five, six, and seven, we talked about the presence and the coming of the Holy Spirit, and we were just singing about that. And the presence and the coming of the Holy Spirit and the divine power of the Holy Spirit given to us through the gift of Jesus to live a purposeful life as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. We talked about 2 Peter 1 and 3, Genesis 1, 1 through 2, and Colossians 3, 12. And today, I have the privilege of closing out our Resurrection Implication series with talking about freedom. Um, and I was torn. I, I didn't really know what I was going to talk about um, in the last couple of days. I think God has made it clear to me, but ironically, I feel like sometimes I'm not free. So I'm here preaching to myself this morning as I share this word with you. Our last memory verse was from Second Corinthians. Our memory verse today, our last one, is from Second Corinthians three seventeen. And say this with me. It's super easy. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know, I crave freedom. Oftentimes I've talked to my friends and family over the last year, and I've been like, you know, all I want to do is just get rid of all my responsibilities and all my constraints, and I want to buy an RV with money that I don't have. I want to buy an RV and I want to drive around the country eating ice cream, even though it hurts my stomach, and hanging out with my dog and having good conversations with people all over the country. That's all I want to do. That's my idea of freedom. No constraints, no responsibilities. And there are a few times in my life where I've actually felt completely free. And one of those times was back in 2015. I think I have a picture of this. This was me before I went skydiving. Um, and this is not a picture. I don't know if you see this, but it may look like a face of someone who's excited. <laughs> but this is not the face of someone who is excited. This is the face of someone who is living in fear and trembling that I'm about to toss myself out of an airplane 
strapped to someone's belly like a little kangaroo um, <laughs> from thousands and thousands of feet in the air. And it was a beautiful day. The sun was shining. It's a clear crystal. You can see all the mountains. You can see Mount Hood. You can see Mount Rainier. You can see everything out in Malala. It was beautiful. And so we get up there, and I'm with a group of friends. I think I had just turned 30 within the last three years, and I decided to make this like my, my milestone thing. This is what I'm doing. So I go with a group of friends. We go up in the air. When you jump for the first time, you have to be strapped to someone's belly, like I said. So we're in the airplane, and all of a sudden, this moment comes where I'm like, oh my gosh, it's happening. Like, I'm about to jump out of this plane. I don't want to commit. I don't want to commit. I want to give up. I'm not trying to do this. But then there were two guys up there who had on these little squirrel suits, and they were like, boom, boom, just like that. They jumped out of the plane completely free. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. What am I, what am I doing? And then finally it gets to my turn, and they had told us, you know, if you don't want to jump, you have to say clearly no. When I ask you, are you ready to jump? You have to give me a no or a yes. Depending on your response, we'll either go or we'll stay in the plane. So I finally get there. My legs are dangling. I'm not feeling free. I'm feeling terrified. My legs are dangling over the plane, and he asked me, are you ready to go? And I go, yes. And then we fall for 60 seconds, free falling through the air. And in that moment, I felt completely free. I'm not thinking about anything, which was ironic because I have no control over anything in that moment. I don't have control over my parachute. I don't have control over my body, really. I mean, I don't have any control. But how do you think about all these other things that you're worried about that are constraining you when you're flying 120 miles through the air? You don't. I'd given up my control to someone else. And really, that's what Christian freedom is. It's putting ourselves under the control of a Lord who loves us and has our ultimate good in mind for us. So the moral of that story is if, if you have to jump out of a plane every time to find freedom, we would never have it because I'm not doing that again. I don't know about you all. Did that story make you want to jump out of a plane? I hope not. It did. Okay, come on. Yes. Yes, we got one. So freedom. So what is freedom? Yes, freedom is putting yourself under submission to Jesus. And I know that that sounds weird, but it's actually Jesus who gives us freedom. Today is Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to all of you in the room. Happy Father's Day to all of you watching us on live stream. Happy Father's Day to all you uncles and cousins who have stepped in in that father role. We love you. We appreciate you. Today is also Juneteenth, and for some of you, you may not know what that means, but Juneteenth is just short for June 19th. And it's the day when federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas in 1865 to ensure that enslaved people here in this country could actually reap the benefits of being free from the Emancipation Proclamation. It was two years after that, and they still weren't granted free life. 
slavery had not really ended in the United States. And so Juneteenth is considered the longest running unofficial African-American holiday. But on June 17th of last year, it became an official federal holiday after the fervent prayer and work of someone called Miss Opal Lee, who she's 95 now, but at the time she started fighting for this, she was like 85. And I saw an interview with her recently where she was like, well, you know what? I felt like I could do more. So I just wanted to get up and do something. So she fought for this. And so last year it became a federal holiday. And side note, Miss Opal Lee actually has some relatives here in Portland. They pastor a church down in Northeast Portland called Northeast Community Fellowship. This church has been in Portland for decades. It's a predominantly black church. Um, my friend Mary, Meriwether and her husband pastor that church. And so if you want to go visit them, please do. There's an open door. You can go visit and worship them any Sunday. I know that they would love to have you. But anyway, long before Juneteenth was ever a thing and the civil rights movement was ever a thing, black Christians found their freedom by going to church to worship Jesus. The black church was formed out of the desire to be free. It was the one place that no matter what your skin looked like, no matter what hate and prejudice resided in the hearts of man on the outside, there was only freedom in that place. In fact, Sunday morning was the one time during the week that enslaved or black people could go and feel completely free from the constraints, not because they could do whatever they wanted to do, but because they were surrendering to the one who knows all things and controls all things. They knew that true freedom came through submission to the right things and not the wrong things, and the right thing is Jesus. So I share this all with you because I'm not, I'm not trying to virtue signal or push some agenda or, you know, turn us into some woke church. I share it with you because it convicts my heart and brings a greater depth to the scripture for me, our scripture today. Now, the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, Wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's freedom because the spirit has set us free and he continues to set us free. So no matter our circumstances on the outside, when we're with Jesus, we have freedom and we have the power to live like that. So my question is, did you walk through the church doors this morning feeling free? Sometimes I don't. So it's not something I'm using to shame anyone. It's just a reality. Even as you sit in the pew right now, do you feel free by the Spirit that indwells you? When we were singing during worship, did you feel free to praise God? Did you feel God enter your heart and set you free? If you didn't, I would encourage you, encourage myself, encourage us to ask why. Why am I not feeling free if the Spirit of the Lord says that I am free and the Spirit dwells in me? As I mentioned, I don't feel free. 
And I think the reason that is, is that I've set so many barriers up that limit my freedom. And I think we do so, all of us do so unconsciously. We limit our freedom. But how other people around, we, and we limit how other people around us experience our freedom, freedom as well when we put up these barriers. And there are a few barriers to freedom that I want to mention this morning. And so the first barrier is caring too much about what others think. And we all do this. Oftentimes in church, we spend a significant amount of time worrying about the kinds of songs that we're singing and how we're singing them or how we're dressed. We think a lot about our insecurities. We worry about what we look like when we're raising our hands or when we're singing or what the other person is doing. It's almost as if we are worshiping to gain approval of everyone else around us instead of worshiping to praise the one who's liberated us from sin and death. Who do you worship when you're singing this morning? You are here to worship God with all your heart, mind, and soul, not to be concerned with what folks sitting to the right, the left, the front, or the back of you are doing or may not be thinking about you or maybe thinking of you. It's not, it's not really your concern. If the Spirit is leading you to get on your knees, do it. If the Spirit is leading you to raise your hands high, do it. If the Spirit is leading you to sing to the top of your long lungs loudly and out of tune, please do it. Amen. Do it. There should be freedom in this place to do just that. Don't concern yourself with what others may be thinking. You're praising God. You're not praising man. You are free, and you should feel that in this place. The second one is not being present in the present. We carry so many things into church with us, especially in these days. There is a lot going on. A lot of us are hurting from wounds, from things that are happening outside in the world. And at times when those things are going on, it's hard to sit in this place and just think about the Lord. Things distract us all the time and it takes our focus from God. So instead, when you come in this place and you have all those things going on, instead of holding on to all the things that you walk in with, let's sit those things down. Let's come in and place those things at the feet of Jesus so that we can experience freedom. As you sing during worship, unburden yourself and allow the Spirit to lighten your load. All of you have heard of this scripture, Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We sang about that this morning. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's in resting in him that he guarantees you'll find freedom. He guarantees you'll find freedom. You don't have to doubt it. It will happen. The next thing is being a slave to the old way. 
There should be freedom in this place, as I said before, to come as you are. There should be no requirements to look a certain way or speak a certain way of freedom. Not to do things the old way is essential because the old way has come and gone. And it reminds me of Acts 15. And some of you may be familiar with this passage. I won't read the whole thing. But what happens was, is Saul, Paul, and Barnabas get wind that some believers are coming in and they're preaching, they're teaching people that they must be circumcised. And we've gone through many scriptures. You know, they've been like, man, I thought we fixed this problem. We already told them, you don't need to do this anymore, right? But there's some people who are trying to put back this old way of being and saying, you have to do this in order to come to Jesus. So then they go on throughout, throughout the text, you know, they go and they meet up with, with Peter and the rest of the apostles and some elders in their community. And they have a discussion about this to figure out like, what is going on? These people are saying this and this is not true. And then Peter gets up and he says to the Pharisees that you no longer have to be circumcised. And I'll, I'll say what he says. God who knows the heart showed that he accepted people by giving the Holy Spirit to him, to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. And this is the important part. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? Jesus freed us from that old yoke, and we cannot put it back on other people because it limits their freedom, and it limits our freedom. We need to stop putting expectations on people that keep them in bondage instead of setting them free. We often make people slaves to our outdated expectations, views of worship and rules when God has set us free from those things. He says to us in Isaiah 43, 18, 20, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? This new thing, this new covenant that God provided through the death and resurrection of Jesus allows for us to have freedom from bondage. This is good news. So if the spirit is present in this place, and I believe it is. And if you have made Jesus Lord of your life, the Spirit dwells in you. We know that because Scripture says so. And if the Spirit dwells in you, what should be the result of that? Freedom. There isn't a constraint that you or anyone else can put on you that will keep you captive. Paul in 2 Corinthians 3.17 is referring to freedom that comes from salvation, not a man-made freedom. Freedom that comes from the Holy Spirit. That is the freedom from condemnation, from guilt, from sin, from death, the old covenant, blindness to the gospel, freedom from those things, the kind of freedom that gives access to the loving presence of God at all times. 
In this particular section of Paul's letter, Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and Paul is contrasting the old covenant, which came through Moses and the Israelites, and he's contrasting that with the new covenant that came through Jesus. Paul is letting people of of Corinth know that it's important that we acknowledge the new covenant, the new way to freedom, because it's not on us anymore. It's on Jesus, and that itself is freeing, right? So Paul addresses the old covenant and insists that unless one turns to the Lord, they have a veil covering their hearts and their minds are made dull, not able to fully understand God's glory. And in the days of Moses, the veil represented a boundary between heaven and earth or the holy and the unholy. Paul is making this connection, so don't miss it. The connection is that the Spirit of the Lord removes the veil, freeing us and allowing us to be part of the new covenant. 2 Corinthians 3.16 says, But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And as believers, it's important that we understand this. It's because of the new covenant that we're able to receive the Spirit. It says in Matthew 27, 50 through 53, And when Jesus had cried out in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many. So what does this mean? It means that where the spirit of the Lord is, we find freedom from the veil that has blocked our hearts and minds. Freedom from the old covenant that leads only to death. We are free through the spirit of the Lord today, praise God. Free. I want you to feel that. The freedom we have in Jesus is monumental It's life-changing, it's life-giving, it's life-affirming. There's nothing that can compare to the freedom we have in Jesus. We live in a country where we enjoy a lot of freedoms. And I know sometimes maybe it doesn't feel like it, but newsflash, we have a lot of freedoms that a lot of people don't have. We have, some of us have jobs where we get a lot of autonomy. We don't have someone lording power over us. We have freedom. Those of us that are single, I'm single. I got freedom to do whatever I want, like launch myself out of an airplane. I can make crazy decisions sometimes. That's, that's freedom without consulting anyone. Thing, these things give us a little taste of what freedom is, but true freedom like the freedom found in Jesus, there's just nothing in this world that can compare to it. It's liberating and life-giving. Jesus offers us freedom from sin, destruction, and death, freedom from racism, prejudice, slavery, and other strongholds that don't just keep us in bondage physically, but mentally and emotionally keep us in bondage. And because of that freedom, we have, the, we have God-given authority to reclaim our lives and proclaim freedom over our lives. Do you know you have authority in Jesus to proclaim his freedom that he's given you? Freedom from the enemy 
In Matthew 10.1, it says Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. We have been given the same authority as the disciples, the same power through Christ, the same freedom in him and through the power of the Spirit. We are free, free to love like Jesus, free to be kind like Jesus, free to live peaceably with others. We are free from internal struggles and burdens because we get to lay it all at the feet of Jesus. We are free to be fruit-bearing followers of Jesus. We are free to share the gospel whenever and wherever he leads us. We are in debt to no one because Jesus paid it all on the cross and gave us life and freedom through the resurrection. He's not in the tomb anymore. He's alive and he's alive in you. We can embrace and live in freedom by walking in spirit and truth. Physical freedom is great. There are many injustices in our world that are keeping people in bondage, and we as the church, we need to work to abolish them. This is true. But while we work, we must talk about the one true liberator, the Jesus of justice and freedom the one that sets us free in every way. Some of you may be wondering today, how can I attain freedom? You can attain true freedom by this way, by surrendering your life to Jesus, by turning your heart to him and acknowledging that the old way isn't working anymore, that it's been keeping you captive long enough, and that it's time to surrender to a new way to Jesus. It's time to be free, friends. Jesus has set us free. The scripture promises us freedom no matter where we are in our life, our circumstances, or where we are in this world. Wherever the spirit of the Lord is, and it's in you, there is freedom. The great liberator has come and he has conquered the grave. And because of that, freedom on this side of heaven is a reality, and that's good news. Say this with me again as I close. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you are the ultimate, loving, life-giving Father. We thank you that you have given us freedom through the power of your spirit that indwells us and that rests in this place, Lord. I pray that as we go out, Lord, that we would be reminded that we are free. We are the people of God. We've been given everything that we need to thrive in this world and to testify to you, the great liberator. So I pray for my friends, Lord. I pray for anyone in this room who feels like they are just burdened in their mind, in their heart, they feel heavy. They don't feel free, Lord. I pray that you would loosen that in the name of Jesus, that they would experience your freedom today, that they would experience you in a tangible way today, that we would all experience your love and the tangible power of your Holy Spirit in this place today. We give you this day. We give you our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.